Imagine a game that knows your fears, fulfills your fantasies, and owns your mind. Now, imagine the game is real. Play it, Michael. Brain Scan, the ultimate head trip. Rated R, at theaters April 22nd. So what's the problem? Which we rewatch movies from our youth to determine if they're problematic by today's standards. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Jen, and today we'll be discussing Brain Scan, which was released on April 22nd, 1994, and in the UK on September 23rd, 1994. It was written by Andrew Kevin Walker and directed by John Flynn. It stars Edward Furlong, Franklin Jella, Amy Hargreaves, Jamie Marsh, and T. Ryder Smith. Yes. And Zach the dog, as it says in the credits. And Zach the dog. But the cat didn't get a credit, that, that's not nice. So what's going to happen is this, Jen and I have thought of three problems. This movie has three each. And a positive, and we'll have a lot of discussion about it. And the synopsis is thus. Michael, a teenage horror fan, is encouraged to play a computer game that allows the user to, uh, to customise a horrifying experience using hypnosis. However, when the game ends, the boy discovers he may actually have committed real-life murders. But it was all a dream. So, Jen, you don't have any history with this, have you? It was the first, first time you've seen it. I'd never heard of it until like a week ago. I saw this in VHS. Because as we have established during the 90s, I rented almost everything. Especially like horror related. Or action movie related. And I, I, obviously I rented this because Edward Furlong was in it. Mm-hmm. Because I, I knew him from T2. But at the time, and I discovered this, like recently doing research for this. I didn't know that the version I watched on VHS was actually edited because the movie was released in the UK and cinemas rated 18. Um, but then to give it a 15 rating on VHS, it was edited. So the scene where he's stabbing a guy repeatedly, then cutting off his foot, that's like an entire minute mm-hmm. of footage that was all cut. <laughs> so I only ever saw that version because I never watched the movie again later. I don't think. I never saw it in DVD or anything. I only watched it in VHS a few times. So this is the first time I ever watched Uncut version. It's not very good. But what did you think of it? Um, it's an interesting premise, but the movie itself isn't very good. Yes. I th- I've seen a lot of people praise this movie and say, oh, this movie's great. I loved it from my childhood and everything. And that's just nostalgia kicking in, isn't it? That has to be nostalgia. Yeah. Because watching this movie in 2023, it's like... Eh. I like what they were going for, but it just doesn't land. It just, yeah. Anyway, we'll just go straight on to our problems. And my first problem, Jen, oh my goodness, this is a big one. Drinking milk and letting it run down your chin (laughs) and onto your neck. Yeah, that's disgusting. That's like the, the, the most horrifying bit about this movie. Um, it isn't water. It's going to start stinking 
It's going to start mm. smelling on you. It's going to be horrible. So that's my first problem. What's your first problem? <laughs> <laughs> um, my first problem is that actually, oh, I've ended up with extra problems. Shocker. Yeah, it just occurred to me I have extra problems. Okay, uh, my first problem was they immediately make the main character unlikable because he is watching and videotaping his neighbor undressing. Yes. So he's a creep from the very beginning, and it's hard for me to be sympathetic to him. You see, I knew you were going to say that. That's why I didn't mm-hmm. say that. But the movie, and I'm not, I don't agree with it, but the movie tries to justify it by saying that she also takes pictures of him. Yeah, it's still gross. It just means they're both creeps. Yeah, exactly. With the pictures she took, at least he's fully clothed. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think he's videoing her. I think he is just using it as, like, to watch her, and then he's watching it through his TV. It's still gross. Yeah, no, it's absolutely gross. It definitely is. Um, But, yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. That is gross. He is a little creeper. Mm-hmm. A little creeper. Uh, yeah, I mean, the actress was 24, I think, when she filmed this movie, roughly. Okay. I don't know. I don't think... She kind of looks like a teenager, I think, doesn't kind she? Of, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she still looks... She's still got, like, a sort of young face mm-hmm. to her. Um, she was 24 and Edward Furlong was 15. You know, I think it's a little bit more age-appropriate, and you don't have to show her naked, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the director had a little bit of a thing for Amy Hargreaves because of the way he shoots her throughout the entire movie. Although, I think he's trying to justify it by saying that it's this is Michael being a creeper. Mm-hmm. Come on. Anyway, my second problem. Um, it's the trickster. The, the, main, the main antagonist, quote-unquote, of this movie... Because uh, they're clearly going for like a new kind of franchise villain with him, I think. Because mm-hmm. um, of the way the movie ends, like he's even got like sort of Freddy Krueger elements to him, where he's like breaking his own fingers and stuff and gouging his own eyeballs out. And um, but to me, at times he plays a little bit too much like Maurice from Little Monsters, okay. and we don't we don't need to be reminded of Maurice from Little Monsters. I think, from what I know of the actor, he's like a stage performer, he's a stage actor, and I don't think he suits this kind of role, because he's, his voice is too sort of nice and calm, and do you know what I mean? He just doesn't, he doesn't seem as though he should be evil. His, his voice and demeanour does not suit what is written for the character, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Uh, but then they try to like put him like jumping around and stuff like that, and that's where the Maurice comes in. It doesn't work. What did you think of the trickster? I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing was... And, like, I didn't really understand what he was supposed to be. Um, I don't know. I didn't like him, I guess. It's not very clear. He's he's the he's the guy who's... who's he's the one that was on the phone to Michael. It's the same man. He, he talks to Michael on the phone and all that. And then, um, mm. I mean, I just don't understand how the whole thing works, to be honest with you. I just don't think that the character works in the way that they want it to. Yeah. He's not scary. Um, he's got a nice voice. Uh, he probably could be quite good at reading audiobooks and, you know, 
making you relax and be nice and calm mm-hmm. at night. But yeah, it just doesn't work at all. And then that hair, <laughs> and I don't know, it's fucking weird, man. So what is your second problem? Oh, I did just notice my uh, one of my notes says, Trickster is silly. Trickster is silly. Part of the, one of the things I hate about this movie is that like a lot of questions you have or problems you have um, are kind of ruined by the fact that it's it's basically a dream. Yeah. And so it's just like, does anything have to make sense if it's just a dream? Which really pisses me off. But my second problem is, uh, why doesn't he remember the second murder? Like, the first murder, he knows. And, like, everything else he does, he remembers it. But the second one, he doesn't remember at all. And that doesn't make sense. When he kills his friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's obviously just that set up that way for the audience. To give us a reveal when he opens up the fridge and we see his friend's um, necklace in the fridge. That's the only way that that is. But yeah, it makes no sense why he, do- he doesn't remember. Because he remembers everything else. Mm-hmm. It's a bit silly. That really pissed me off. I really want to get into I really want to get into the plot, but I'll need to wait till I get into my second problem. A hey, third problem, sorry. Um, So, let's just get into my third problem. Okay. <laughs> the mid-credit scene. Because... Mm-hmm. This has bothered me since I first watched the movie three decades ago, Jen. It's, uh, the credits are playing, and we hear the trickster saying, oh, hold on, haven't you forgotten something? Then we see the dog from earlier with a foot in its mouth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no, we didn't forget that. None of it happened. So what is the movie trying to say? Is it trying to say that it's he's still in the game? Is he trying to say it wasn't all a dream? It's not clear. Because Michael didn't kill anyone. Yeah. As far as we know. They're, it's like they're trying to fuck with the audience, but if you're going to fuck with the audience, it needs to make some kind of sense. Yeah, exactly. It, they're trying to pull this sort of weird gotcha moment. It's like, oh, you forgot about this, didn't you? And it's like, no, it wasn't <laughs> real. To what, before he starts playing the game, um, Michael's on his bike. He comes across a scene where the cops are there and there's a yeah. dead body getting put into an ambulance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is when, for us anyway, that is when the uh, Frank Langella's character kind of gets a wee bit suspicious of Michael, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Because the rest of the movie from there on is a dream. And Frank Langella's character, in real life, doesn't interact with Michael at all after that. Mm-hmm. At all. Uh, so who is the person that was getting into the into the uh, ambulance? Why were the police there? Why was it shown to be that he was suspicious of Michael because he was driving a bike? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's confusing, isn't it? I've got no answers. And then the, the movie actually starts with the dog running around. Mm-hmm. So, I don't... It's it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. And then, <laughs> Trickster turns up at the end. Yeah. So, Trickster turns up at the end, he gives the he gives the um, fucking game to the principal, and Trickster turns up at the end, he sees him, smiles at him, and Trickster's like, oh, I'm gonna fuck this guy up. And it's like, okay, but it makes no sense, Jen. Hmm. What's your third problem? 
My third problem is the ending. Um, I <laughs> don't. I didn't like the cop out of like this whole thing was just like him being hypnotized or whatever. Um, the the thing that did redeem that a little for me was the idea that he gives it to the principal um, mm-hmm. because he wants the principal to go through the hell he just went through. Yeah. Um, that makes it a little better because it's not yeah. just like, oh, it's a dream and then it's over. Like there's something else there. But yeah, the trickster showing up there makes no sense to me. The mid credit scene makes no sense. Um, I... Once again, it's one of those movies where you watch it and you, and I know that like it was originally a script. It had to do with the VHS instead of um, a video game. And it, it uh-huh. it's one of those movies that makes me wonder, was this just like rewritten so much that things just stopped making sense and people got kind of lost in what they were doing? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I remember this movie making more sense when I was a kid, apart from that mid credit scene. But I just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to be, I don't think they knew exactly what they were doing with it. Mm-hmm. Like you see, they seem to have changed the script that many times that they've just forgotten to actually have an ending that made sense. I do like the principal part, that like he gives it to the principal, but him turning around and seeing the trickster sitting in the principal's chair just makes me go, but wait, what? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, so the, the, the trickster can appear out of, into reality... Which means she is actually a, a supernatural being and not just in your head when you're watching this game. Uh, mm. Makes no sense. It's a strange one. Yeah, you picked a weird movie. Nobody really talks about this movie. Uh, and I know it's easy to say, well, I can see why. But when I was thinking about picking this, like I say, I did look online and there was a lot of people saying that they love this movie. Uh, there's lots of positive reviews for it and saying, oh, I loved this movie as a kid and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, right, I liked this movie as a kid. So is it just nostalgia on these people? Have they actually watched it recently? Going by the, the YouTube comments on the the movie, the version that I watched on YouTube, yes, they have. And they still love the movie. And it's like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. At all. It's very 90s, this movie as well. Very 90s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Another thing just occurred to me. If the whole thing was a dream, why are there so many scenes without Michael in there? Yeah. Like, the cop coming to get the ashes and stuff. Like, why why do those scenes even exist? Yeah, I think that's just the game showing him that to show him, to maybe get him to think about how to get out of that kind of situation. But... It doesn't really come to much. And yeah, it, it makes no sense. And we never meet his dad. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, Michael's a little rich kid. Yeah. He lives in a fucking mansion. Why does he have a refrigerator in his room? Why not? It saves him from going downstairs. What kind of teenager has a full fridge in their bedroom? Yeah. That's really weird. With Alice Cooper on the side of it. It's really weird. That was almost one of my problems. <laughs> yeah, if it was just like a like a den type thing, I would understand it. But it's his mm. actual bedroom. He just like never leaves his room, I guess. No, never does. I, I didn't see a sink in his bedroom. No. So does he not wash his wash his plates, wash his dishes? Oh. I, don't know, I don't get uh, it. No, in fact, he doesn't wash his dishes. He's a teenager, right? So, and with the size of that house, he's probably got a fucking. 
maid or something that comes in every now and then just to yeah. tidy up after him. Uh, but his dad never appears. No, his dad's out of town. He's he's working. Yeah, that happened a lot in the eighties and nineties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So my positive, and I did think of a positive, and I'm trying to think out how to. And the best way to say this, right? Because it doesn't sound like there is one, but Michael's arc, kind of, um, he's a wee weirdo creeper, but I like that the movie doesn't get him to change his love for horror movies. Yeah. He's still, like, the, the movie could easily have said, horror bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's not. It's in, he comes out of this and he still loves horror movies. He still has a horror club. I mean, he's still a wee weirdo creeper, but he's got more confidence now. And he asks the girl that he likes out, and she doesn't say yes. That, but you know, at least he has the balls to finally ask her. And yeah, yeah I like that. I mean, Edward Furlong can't act worth a f- shit, but that's just you know. Can I read you a quote from the director? Go for it. Director John Flynn did not get along with Edward Furlong during filming. He later recalled. Eddie Furlong was a 15-year-old kid who couldn't act. You had to slap him awake every morning. I didn't want to get I don't want to get into knocking people, but I was not a big Eddie Furlong fan. Yeah. Although I would say that Eddie Furlong is actually trying harder than Frank Langella. Because Frank Langella looks like he does not want to be in this movie at all. Mm-hmm. Because if you think like bad actor, you would you would imagine that maybe um, like Dale Midkiff in Pet Cemetery, where he's just monotone the entire time. That's Fra- Frank Langella in this movie. He's just monotone and sort of sullen and dull, and he doesn't really he doesn't really act. He just talks. Whereas yeah. Edward Furlong does actually try to portray emotions and stuff in this, and he's not very good at it, but he is trying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I actually think. Frank Langella's performance is not as, you know, it's not good either. So, what is your positive, Jen? My positive was negative, um, but my positive is I liked the theme song of the movie. Yeah. But then it was played too much. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And it's mm -hmm. still in my head. I finished the movie over an hour ago, and it's still in my Uh head, and it's very annoying. But when I was yeah. watching the beginning of it, like the beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, I like this. Yeah. And there was one point I couldn't describe it. Like it happened so fast that I don't remember exactly what it was. But there was like a moment at one point. It sounded like the Wild Things score. And like I'd completely forgotten George S. Clinton did Wild Things. And then there was just like one little music cue where I was like, oh, yeah, he did Wild Things. Like it just sounded just like it. It was weird. Yeah, no, I like the I like the score, but it was almost my my first problem was the repetitiveness of that mm. that beat that motif that he uses. It's good, but he does use it a lot in yeah. this movie. So yeah, that's weird. my my positive comes with a negative. Mm. I like the music, but there's too much of it. They kind of ruined a good piece of music by. Mm-hmm. Just, like, playing it over and over and over again. Yeah, they do. They definitely do. One other thing that was almost a problem for me is it really bothered me that when he got his first brain scan envelope that he didn't open it right away. Yeah. Wouldn't you open it immediately? And also, 
What about when he's sitting on the on his chair and he's on the phone and he hasn't started playing the game yet and he gets like an electric shock or something? Mm-hmm. What's that? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's supposed to be like from the game. Yeah. But that he ha- that he hasn't started playing yet. Doesn't he have the disc yeah. yet? It's weird. It's a weird movie. It is a weird movie. So do you have any more um almost negatives, almost um problems? No. No. It's it's just one of those weird movies that like like it's not a good movie. And there are a lot of problems mm. with it. But I was enjoying myself when I watched it. Like I was into the movie. Mm. And it always feels weird when you're into a movie that you also recognize as like not good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it does have some good moments in it. I, I mean, it has good ideas, and I just, I don't know, if they just had a different lead, mm-hmm. maybe a different lead, although I do think that Edward Furlong was trying at times, right? Yeah. But a different lead, although I, w- I didn't even notice that Michael had a limp until about 15 minutes into the movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I, kn- I knew he got his leg all fucked up, but it's only when he's walking upstairs in his house, about 15 minutes in, is when you notice he's actually got a limp. Because mm-hmm. up until that point, he's sitting down. <laughs> he's either sitting on a chair in class in his room, or he's like, um, he's going over to his window, but he's like hunched down, so. Mm. Or he's on his bike. Um, anyway, I obviously have notes. Okay. Like, I've seen a lot of movies, Jen. Do teenage girls actually stand at a mirror, like naked or in their underwear, just to stare at themselves? Is that a thing that happens? Because it happens a lot in movies. I mean, I don't. I don't know about other. <laughs> I know that's not something I did. Um, maybe some of them do. I don't know, but it does seem like something that happens in movies that men write. Yeah, definitely, definitely happens in movies that men write and direct. Absolutely. The electric shock thing that he does when he's sitting in the chair and he's phoning them for the first time—it's quite weird because he goes out and he taps his mouth, right, and he mm. goes like, like that. As, but he's not bleeding or anything. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, was he supposed to have, like, bit his lip or something? Yeah. And he goes over to the desk and does it again and looks mm-hmm. at his hand. And it's like, he. I mean, surely he's not experiencing drool for the first time. Mm-hmm. Because he watches his neighbour naked. So I'm assuming he drools quite a lot. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, anyway. When the principal barges into the horror club, I thought it was Adam West for a minute. <laughs> it's just the way the lighting was. It wasn't very... He, he hadn't quite walked into the light yet, and it looked a bit like Adam West to me. One of my notes, Jen. Cute kitty cat. <laughs> when Trickster comes out of the TV, Michael says, How did you get here? Through the TV, mate. You just saw him. Mm-hmm. You know? You, you watched him physically come out the TV. But that's also something that's, even if you see it, it's kind of hard to believe it happened. True. But it's still something that happened and you watched it with your own eyes. So, I mean, it's still a redundant question. Okay. <laughs> um, when the trickster says, you must elim- eliminate the witness, I thought he better not mean that bloody cat. <laughs> if they were... If they were going to kill a cat in this movie, I was going to stop watching it, but I, I remember they didn't. Kimberly's house is very well lit when Michael's going through it and she's lying in her bed sleeping. Mm. So, like, every light in that house is on. She has a lot of plants in her bedroom. She does. That's weird. Yeah. Um, so, that's all my notes. 
Right. Do you think this movie's trying to say something about kids liking horror? I don't think so. I don't think this movie has a message. Because initially it seems like it does, right? Mm-hmm. You would think it, that, that this is that, that is what it's trying to say. But then the ending is just like, no, he still likes horror. Liking horror is fine. And the principal who told him not to like horror is going to go through some shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I liked it. I like the fact that it's, you know, still like horror kids. Liking horror is perfectly fine. Uh, me, personally, I've liked horror for about 30 years. Maybe a little bit more. Uh, three decades, and I haven't killed anyone. Well, to be fair, I don't think you would admit it if you did, so how can I trust you? That's true. But also, maybe I've been playing a video game, and I was hypnotized, and I didn't know it. Or a VHS tape. <laughs> maybe I watched a VHS tape back in the... Uh, yeah, it was an odd pick. I admit it. I admit it. It was an odd pick. But I wanted to talk about that mid-credit scene. <laughs> I wanted to get that off my chest. Um, as as well as all this phlegm that's just been sort of hanging there for the past two months. But anyway, next week, it is time for the wheel, Jen. Do you have any more trivia? No, there. I was there. there was not very much trivia there, which was a bummer. Yeah. I can't find my fucking wheel. <laughs> wheel, where are you, wheel? Oh, some games. Right, Jen. Uh, give me an update. <sighs> I hate that. Right, so, on the wheel, we have Overboard, okay. Carbon Copy, Xanadu, uh, Ishtar, Jimmy's Pick, Jen Pick, uh, Teen Wolf 2, and Partners. Okay. I am going to spin the wheel. I was going to change Ishtar to Zat and I forgot, but it's there now. It's Ishtar now. So. Um, let us spin the wheel. And it is... Oh, fuck off. What? I should have changed it to Zat. It's Ishtar. And we can still do Zaps. <laughs> we make our own rules. Well, do Ishtar, and then I can put Zapped on in its place. Okay. So, Ishtar. I've never seen Ishtar. Have you seen Ishtar? No, that's why it's on the wheel. No, yeah. So, I've just... I don't know. I've always wanted to watch Ishtar, because people have said that it's bad. And I just want to see how bad it is. I know nothing about so, it. So, no? I, th- I think it's maybe on a, like, Tubi or something for you. Okay. Um, so, you'll have ads, I'm afraid. Uh, so yeah, next week is Ishtar. That's going to be exciting. Anyway, this will be a short-ass episode. I know. Uh, so that's all we have time for. If you'd like to follow the podcast, you can go to shifttobench.co.uk. Contact at shifttobench.co.uk is the email address. Can people follow you online anywhere, Jen? Yeah, I'm still on Twitter, um, at, at Pilot Inspectors. Still on Twitter, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good old Twitter. It's nothing yeah. else but Twitter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I was on other ones. I was on, I'm still on Blue Sky and fucking, what's the other one? Threads. Uh, Threads, yeah. But they're, no, they're boring. It's not as, and there are people from Twitter that are sort of, seeping over into Fred's and, you know, the arseholes mm-hmm. uh, and the Republicans. 
There are some of those going back into sort of going into threads and being cunts about everything. So just block them. It's easy enough to block them in threads. So thank you all for listening and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye. Just when he thought he'd die of boredom. Brain scan. The ultimate experience in interactive terror. Never leave home without it. <laughs> You're in the game, man. You're in control. You must think like a killer. Cover up any clues. Leave no witnesses, no evidence. A challenge he can't resist. It was so real. It was sick. See, I told you, man. I told you it would blow your mind. A game he can't escape. There was a grisly murder in the quiet suburban town of Mountview today. So you did it. What was on that disc? It's not a game anymore. Hamilton and Hayden. It's real. It wasn't supposed to be real. Real, unreal, what's the difference? I didn't kill the man. I didn't even know him. You're in this now. You won't survive on your own. You started this and now you're afraid to finish it just like you're afraid of everything else. The witness has to die. Edward Furlong, Frank Langella, and introducing T. Ryder Smith as the trickster. Brain scan. I can't wait to see what you do next.